0: And I'm live. Welcome back. Uh, I'm back in the studio. This is Mike Banner, second week back in the studio, not working from home anymore, back at the beautiful WeBeam TV studios in Port Ritchie, Florida. Welcome to 62 Who Knew. We have a very, very exciting show today for you. Um, So we're gonna get almost right to it. I wanna give just a little thank you to our guests. I wanna thank everybody that put up with my bad lighting at home uh, for the last four or five months. Uh, thanks to COVID-19, but we're back in the studio to stay, and we have some very exciting things happening between now and the end of the year. So before we get to tonight's guest or today's guest, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about 62 Who Knew for the people just joining us for the first time. What is the premise? What is 62 Who Knew? Well, I'm 62 Many of, our, many of our listeners and viewers are between the ages of 55 and 65. That's our demographic. And as we approach that age of 62, we all have the same questions. We may not be ready to retire, especially in today's economic times of this country, but as you approach 62, suddenly retirement is looming. You're asking yourself the question, should I pay off my house? Should I have a mortgage? Do I need long-term care insurance? Do I still need life insurance? Who am I going to use for Medicare supplemental policies in three years? Uh, Should I keep working? Should I take my Social Security at 62, or should I defer to a later age so I can get a higher check amount every month? These are questions that I'm asking myself. I know thousands of you are asking, tens of thousands. And here's the point. Our fathers ask the same question of themselves. Our mothers and fathers... Before that, their mothers and fathers asked those same questions. But my generation has a slightly different hurdle to overcome. And I know every generation thinks they do, but this is real. Our generation, people between 58, 55 maybe, and 62, have this to overcome. Modern science and medical technology has given us longer lifespans the last 20 years than any other generation before us. Now, longer lifespans is a great thing, but it is a mixed blessing. It is a double-edged sword, for lack of better terms, because less than 1% of this country can make it to age 62 and financially have the worth, have the assets, have the disposable income to make it to 90. And that's what we're going to do nowadays the odds in this country, if you make it to 62 years old, are even money, 50-50, that you're gonna make it to 90. So who knew at 62 years old, we still may have another 30 years ahead of us. Our parents, their parents planned for another 10 or 15 years. We're planning for 30. And that's the premise of 62 Who Knew. So every week, we endeavor to bring on guests that talk about subjects that are pertinent to the quality of life between the age of 62 and when we leave this planet in our 90s. And with medical breakthroughs and science and technology, that very soon may be the hundreds. But for the time being, it's the 90s. So every week, we bring on experts to speak about annuities, reverse mortgages, long-term care insurance, health and exercise, Medicare, Medicare supplements, Medicaid. The topics never end for what we have to deal with between the ages of 62 and when we leave this planet. That's the premise of 62. Who knew? And it seems to be a premise that has been well accepted because we're just a little over 15. John, what are we, 15, 16 months old? 17 months old. I never realized that. Time flies when you're having a good time. And obviously starting with no viewers and now up to a little over 80,000 viewers per week. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for telling your friends about us. Thank you again for living through the bad lighting of my living room when I was going from home and taping from home. But we're back and we're so happy to be back. And tonight we have a special guest. She has been with us, I think, three times before. Um, and has always been one of the highest rated episodes when she's been here. Just as a point of interest, the four most popular topics for the last 12 months on this show have been in other words, the episodes that have drawn the most <laughs> viewers have been long term care insurance, Medicare, dementia, and its many vari- you know, variables of it, and reverse mortgages. That has been the four best topics and today we bring back Dr. Laura Banner no no uh, coincidence yes she is a relative but Dr. Banner is one of the foremost experts on dementia specifically Alzheimer's but all types of dementia throughout the country not very long ago she started her first podcast at the window with dementia and within 30 days of that podcast starting besides having a tremendous amount of downloads she was awarded Uh, The number one podcast in the nation on the topic of dementia. She has now followed that. She's been on the show a couple of times since then. Always a fascinating show. But since then, she has just launched her first book, which is Looking Through the Window with Dementia. A little bit different than at the window with Dimitra, but looking through the window. It's an amazing book. I got the opportunity to read it, uh, the perspective of it. We all have people in our families uh, that deal with this, and uh, this hour is just going to fly by. This is a book that everyone must read. It touches everyone in every family, and we're going to talk about it right now. Without further ado, John, let's bring up Dr. Laura Banner. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. The book was, uh, was, an, it, it was touching because you know, you know, because we're relatives and because my cousin Bob is your husband, and Bob is really more like my brother than my cousin because of our past. Um, yeah, We both fool around when we can't remember something and go, uh-oh, dementia. But you also know it worries us sometimes in a serious way. So um, I think your topic and I think the book, It touches on things that that really gives you the chills, that really makes you go, oh, my God, is that what they're thinking when they look through that window and see life going on? um, It just gives me the chills. So I'm going to let you take over because I want you to tell people about this book. Um, I have a book. Other people have books. But your book touches everyone. It doesn't make you. it, It just really does. So I want you to take over from here. Tell us what motivated you to take us from the window to looking through the window and why you did this. Publishing a book is no easy thing. Um, I know that. So what, what made you decide to write the book?
1: Well, first, let me thank, uh, say thank you for you having me on again. I always enjoy my time with your audience. Um, but just in the, the vein of total transparency, I appreciate the promotion, but I am not a doctor.
0: I'm a nurse practitioner. That's right. I forgot that. I just may hold on one second. Now you're a doctor. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Is Dr. Phil really a doctor? He is. He is, he is
1: not. I don't believe he is a, um, a no. medical doctor. I believe he is a PhD. All
0: right. He annoys me, but that's another subject for another show. Okay.
1: So I just wanted to put that All out right. there Thank just you. to be clear. No problem. <laughs> um, so, Yes. I am passionate about dementia, as your audience who may have seen previous episodes with me on it are aware. Um, I started my interest in dementia in my clinic practice, so I still see patients in the clinic setting, and I am a general neurology nurse practitioner, but I specialize in the care of dementia patients, and by default, their families as well. And that's where my interest began That started about 10 years ago. Over time, as I am now in my mid-50s, it has hit home. I have family members on both sides that are afflicted with various types of dementia. So I am immersed in dementia, not only in my professional life, but also in my personal life. I started a company called Compassionate Education a few years ago, but at that point it was only present in social media. It was just uh, about me pushing out information because what I came to understand was that most people really don't understand dementia. They think that dementia is synonymous with Alzheimer's and that everyone will, you know, develop some type of dementia at some point in their life. They think it's the same thing as what used to be called old age senility. So, About a year ago, I thought, you know what, I need to spend more time in the mode of education. And so I brought on my daughter and we went ahead and really took the company Compassionate Education from the ground up. And now Compassionate Education is all about educating caregivers, family members, the general public, Um, I still see patients in the clinic part-time, and when I'm not there, I'm doing compassionate education. So as you mentioned, I started At the Window with Dementia, my podcast, and I launched it in June. And the significance of the name is because in the setting of COVID, a lot of people who have different types of memory impairment are either in assisted living, senior living centers, memory care, independent living. But out of, and this term is used all the time now, an abundance of caution, Mm -hmm. rightfully so, these facilities went on lockdown, and they were not allowing visitors to come in and visit family members because they were trying to protect that very vulnerable population. Over time, what began to transpire was these facilities would say, we see the need for interaction but we still can't take a chance of your loved one getting the virus so how about if we make appointments and you can see them at the window Mm -hmm. and so that was the impetus of the name for the podcast um i write i go ahead and i release the podcast every tuesday it's available on spotify apple podcast whatever platform people like to download their podcasts on And they're short little episodes sometimes, you know, I know what I'm going to talk about and other times it's just whatever hits me at the moment. Um, Oftentimes I share very personal things because as I mentioned, I have a lot of family members, unfortunately, that are dealing with different types of dementia. So in terms of firsthand experience, I've got a lot to draw from. So over time, what I came to understand is, again, what's the population that I am really trying to educate? Well, they're not just the 30s, 40s, and 50-year-olds who are varying levels of tech savvy, but they're also the 60-year-olds and the 70-year-olds, and they don't exactly. understand what a podcast is. Right. So what I did was I went ahead and I wrote the book. And the book is slightly different, um, but it touches on the first 20 episodes of the podcast. So each chapter is preceded by a little vignette, a story, um, they are true, that really illustrates the topic in the chapter. And then it talks about whatever that particular chapter is about. The book is called Looking Through the Window at Dementia. It can be a little confusing, but um, again, trying to stay with the same theme. It's an easy read. It is about a medical issue but it is written for the general population who has no medical experience it helps make sense of the different types of dementia in a way that we can understand Um, for example i was seeing a patient the other day and she came with her son who is now going to be her primary caregiver and i try not to make assumptions when i'm talking to family members Because this may be their first experience with some type of dementia. So I start from the beginning and I explain what dementia is. And then I further explain that there are different types. That dementia is just this umbrella term. And it says we're talking about an organic type of memory impairment that interferes with quality of life. And underneath this umbrella, you have different types. The most common type, the type that is most well-known, is Alzheimer's disease. Two-thirds of people who have some type of memory impairment have Alzheimer's, either a pure Alzheimer's or perhaps a mixed, which means Alzheimer's plus another type of dementia. And there's vascular dementia, and there's Lewy body dementia, and there's frontotemporal dementia, and there's multi-infarct, and the list goes on and on. And if you can imagine, there's over 100 types of dementia. But dementia is just this general term. Mm -hmm. And so about 30 minutes into this conversation, the son, who I will tell you is quite educated, um, he said, well, thank God it's Alzheimer's and it's not dementia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I realized at that point that as much as I assumed that I was explaining, somewhere I missed something. So we stepped back. Um, I was actually talking to my brother last night, and um, he read the book. The book has only been out for two weeks now. And he made the same misconceptions or expressed the same misconceptions about dementia and Alzheimer's as most people do. Because... Um, he just didn't understand it, and then he read the book, and we've been talking every night about it. And he said, "Laura, you know I'm into cars, and my my brother is a car fanatic." He said, "Here's how I look at it: dementia's like a car. You can tell people you drive a car, but that really doesn't give a lot of information. Are you driving a Porsche? Are you driving a Ford? Are you driving a Chevy?" Are you driving a sedan or a truck? He said, that makes sense to me. And I thought, you know what? I like that. I like that analogy. Um, I'm going to use that. So here's the first time I've actually gotten to use that. (laughs) But I think it really illustrates that it's not the same thing. That's right. So looking through the window at dementia, like I said, was published two weeks ago. And I am overwhelmed and thrilled To say when it was released, it was the number one, it was ranked the number one release in that category
0: for the first week. Congratulations on that. That's so exciting. Thank you. And and it's what we've always said. And when we talk, you know, obviously we talk a lot when we're not on the show. And I keep repeating myself this touches every family. It doesn't make a difference of your color. Uh, doesn 't make a difference of your financial net worth, your religion are you a liberal are you a, a, you know a republican are you conservative it just doesn 't you know, are you American are you not American? This touches everyone and has to be i know it is for me everyone 's greatest fear. Give me yeah. a disease that kills me i'll i 'll live with it till I die. Give me a disease that 's going to rob me of you know who I am or who my children or grandchildren are, I'm not going to be able to handle that. And so it, it's, it's scary.
1: It's very scary. And I'm at risk. I have it on both sides of my family.
0: And but everyone
1: listening to this episode, you need to know, regardless of whether or not it runs in your family, you are at risk. For the same reason that this show is so pertinent to everyone, the 62 Who Knew topic, because the number one risk factor for developing Alzheimer's. Now, again, there's many different types, but Alzheimer's being the most prevalent type, the number one risk factor for developing Alzheimer's is not, does my mother have it? It's not, does my father have it? It's, how old am I? And so with each successive year, which is a blessing, right? Because we all want to live a long, healthy life. But once you hit 65, Every year beyond 65, your risk of developing Alzheimer's exponentially increases.
0: It's frightening. Yeah, it is frightening.
1: So it's so important that people understand what different types of dementia look like. How do you treat them? What's the difference between normal age-related forgetfulness, which we all have because, as I've mentioned to you, Brain maturity, hope everyone's sitting down, 20 years old. Wow. So look at a 20-year-old, and that is the picture of brain maturity.
0: There's a problem there. Are you sure about that? I, yeah. Was that written by a 20-year-old by any chance?
1: I know, right? So the way they define brain maturity is from 20 years of age to the rest of your life, every year we're losing a little bit of memory. Uh, So what do we do about that? mm -hmm. And again, that's why I wrote the book. What do we do? Do we just say, oh, my gosh, it's coming. I don't know when. Do we go and we get tested? Because there are genetic tests out there. And I talk about that in the book, too. Um, Just because we can do something doesn't always mean we should do something. So what do we do? And here's what everyone needs to hear and really absorb. You cannot prevent whether or not you are going to develop Alzheimer's. However, you can take an active role in your own brain health. And the way that you do that is by treating your brain like you would anything else that you are trying to care for, your heart. Maybe you eat a a heart healthy diet because you are afraid that you're going to develop heart disease. Well, what we know is that, again, although we cannot prevent it from happening, we can push it out a bit. We know that positively challenging your brain, the things that we do when we're working, you're multitasking, you're constantly stimulating your brain. You have those neurons in your brain firing, trying to strengthen those connections. That is great for brain health. But what happens when people retire? What happens when you finally get to say, I'm done, golden years, retirement, I get to do what I want to do now. Well, in theory, it sounds great, but how many people are really living, you know, that expression, their best
0: life? Yeah, that's so true. When they retire. that's
1: Because what I see is I see two groups of people, and I tell people, I tell this to people in my clinic all the time, think about two groups of people, two people you know, both have retired one person says i've you know put in my time i've raised my family i punched the clock now i'm done now I, it's my time i get to do what i want to do and what i want to do is i want to go travel i want to learn new things i want to you know explore new hobbies i want to write a book i want to do this i want to do that i never had time but now i do so they do those things so you have someone in mind someone that fits that that description Okay, now put them aside. Now think about someone else you know. Someone who says the same thing. I've raised my family. I punched the clock for decades. I'm finally at the age of retirement. It means it's my time. I get to do what I want to do. And you know what I want to do? I want to sit on the couch. I want to go ahead and I want to flip those channels. And every once in a while, I want to get up off the couch, maybe meander over to the refrigerator, get myself a beer, maybe get a snack. Maybe you're going to actually venture out all the way to the mailbox and pick up the mail. Maybe not every day. Maybe you'll let it collect for a few days. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's your time. So no one's going to dictate to you what you do.
0: Exactly. Because
1: you've earned this. And yes, you have. When you look at those two individuals, assuming they have all the same risk factors, Mm -hmm. the person who took retirement as an opportunity to be active and explore and not slow down, just change the focus of their energy, and you compare them to the person who is now surfing the channels, this person who's surfing the channels will have more obvious cognitive delay. Yes. They'll struggle to retrieve memories. They probably will every once in a while reflect and say, you know what, I used to be able to get 10 things done in a day, and now I struggle to complete one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason for that is because the connections in the brain get weak. Now, it's an organ. It's not a muscle. But think about it in terms of a muscle.
0: Yeah, you you need to work it out.
1: Exactly. Because what happens when you don't? It starts to atrophy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, for those in your audience who have had any brain imaging, there is a term that I hate to use. I try never to use it until someone doesn't understand what I'm saying. And then I I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this word. Shrinkage. Any of your audience ever been told by someone who reviewed their brain imaging, MRI, or CAT scan that they have shrinkage? I don't know. How awful. How awful.
0: Men don't like that word at all.
1: The term Mm -hmm. that most of the time I will use is atrophy. So atrophy is when the brain mass is reduced. And the reason it's reduced is because you are not stimulating. Some of it you can't prevent. However, the more that you challenge your brain, and again, positively, I'm not saying get yourself in the middle of a situation that is really wearing you down that negative stress. I'm talking about positive stress. You can do that and play an active role in your brain health.
0: Absolutely. You
1: can also have physical activity. So what does physical activity do? Well, first of all, it makes you feel good because you feel like you're doing something healthy for yourself. It releases those natural endorphins, that natural good chemical that lifts our, our spirits a bit. What it also does, though, is it improves the what we call perfusion, the blood flow to the brain. Now, when we look at imaging, a CAT scan or an MRI, one of the things that we're looking for is Has there been a reduction in the amount of blood flow to the brain? And the way that that shows on imaging is what we call ischemic white matter disease. Sounds very scary. doesn't have to be. Um, We expect a certain amount with each successive decade of life. So it's kind of like arthritis. It's not surprising if someone in their 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s Has arthritis, right? Normal Mm -hmm. wear and tear. We expect it. We accept it. But when that arthritis is debilitating to the point where they cannot ambulate, where maybe they are in a wheelchair, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. So we look at it in the context of someone's age and we say, oh, there's a little bit more than you would expect for that person's age. Why? Are they not getting physical activity? Because the brain is really demanding. It needs appropriate amounts of oxygen, glucose, proper nutrition. And the point is, you know, if you miss meals, you don't think as well. You're not on your A game.
0: Yep, that's true.
1: So we have to nurture and own our own brain health and know that, yes, you can do all the right things. And you may still get Alzheimer's. But. If you do all those right things, what can happen is you can delay the onset. You can also reduce your risk factor for developing some of the other types, specifically a vascular type of dementia. So we can't just throw our hands up and say, what will be, will be. Right. And we all forget. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned this to you a couple of days ago. I, um, I fell and broke my fall on a concrete wall with my head. And you know what? I I think I shook my brain pretty good, and I was forgetting. And it took me a couple of days to be clear. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that your brain has tremendous capacity, but you have to take care of it. For me, taking care of it was brain rest. I had to stay off my phone, stop watching TV, stay off the computer,
0: rest when I was tired. You were going to come on last week's show, and we delayed it for a week. You rested your brain.
1: And it's a good thing, because let me tell you, I don't know what I would have said.
0: (laughs) My recall was really poor. We would have been looking through the window with Laura. (laughs) Right,
1: and you would have been Dr. Mike.
0: yeah, Superman, perhaps. That's right. Well, you know, just I got to say it, because we have such two good examples. You know, you have examples on both sides of your family of dementia, but we have such two good examples to prove um, that using your brain as you get older. We have my uncle, Bob's father, your your father-in-law, who's no longer with us, Uncle Sid, who until his upper 80s was working on mortgages. Sharp as a tack. Was one of the best 3 cushion billiard players in the world who wrote a book in his 80s that is now being used throughout the country called Sid's System. I didn't even know that till I started to look at you, Tims, of Uncle Sid. I was trying to find them with Bob, and I'm finding young billiard players. Cool, huh? Uh, yeah, that are using Sid system. So then I Googled Sid system by Sid Banner. And, um, yeah. and then, of course, and my father, who we lost a, a little earlier in his early 80s, was writing mortgages right till the last 12 months of his life. He retired, but when his friend needed a mortgage, or if I went away, he would take over the company and work. They kept their brains active, And let's face it, until the very, very last second, you know, they both recalled their times in World War II. They recalled everything about their children. Um, You know, did Dad and Uncle Sid have some memory problems towards the end? Like you said, of course, that's natural.
1: Normal, age-related, yep.
0: But were they cognitively prepared to have a conversation, you know, with their grandchild or the guy delivering the food to the dog? It was unbelievable, the both of them. Um, And you know, we all spent the last few days or the last week or two of of Uncle Sid's life together. And you know, until that very end, having a conversation with him, watching him and listening to him talk to Bob about Banner Buick in the 1960s and 1970s and what they did together. I'm going to lose it now by thinking about this. But um, it was incredible, just absolutely incredible. But they both used their brain And they didn't stop
1: up until the very end of his life. He was making plans. Yes. About things he wanted to do. You know, age is not a diagnosis. Absolutely not. And he lived life to the fullest. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't spend a little bit of time talking about COVID. Yes. So COVID um, has forced all of us to have this unnatural isolation. We are social beings. We thrive. We need. We enjoy human interaction. And so when we are all forced to uh, shelter in place in varying degrees, it's not natural. And as a result, people are declining. People are declining at a more precipitous rate than they would otherwise. And, and when you think about, and I'm not getting political at all, but when you think about the, the toll of COVID, I would tell every listener to consider the, the casualties beyond the virus. Yes. And I think I'll tell you for myself. There have been times when I felt like I was on a roller coaster. I had to have my own mood in check because I found that I was getting negative. I was a little bit flat. I I was losing a little bit of interest in things that really interest me. Absolutely. And, you know, fortunately, the people in my household, we all kind of went through it at different times. I can only imagine if we all went through it at the same time.
0: Isn't that the truth? Yeah.
1: So... We need to have that stimulation. I mean, that's case in point about cognitive stimulation, positive Mm -hmm. brain um, stress. So my mother-in-law, your aunt, Helen, um, she's in assisted living. She's about to celebrate her 90th birthday.
0: Big party. We
1: have not been able to see her except those very brief drop-offs from groceries. Um, She doesn't like FaceTime. Mm -hmm. But I have seen... I've seen a decline.
0: Yeah. I and that's that understandable. I, her, I, I, I feel that when I talk to her. Because, oh, she's another one that's sharp as attacked for 90. Yeah. I mean, I'd let her come back and run the mortgage company. Yeah, you know, just like she used to yeah. do for Bob.
1: I mean, it is a decline that didn't need to be. And I'm not faulting the facilities because they are looking after her safety.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And bless them for doing that. That's right. So so this book is all about really understanding what dementia is, what it isn't. Um, I actually taught a class for the Alzheimer's Association two weeks ago, and the topic was understanding dementia-related behaviors and how do you how do you deal with them. At the end of the course, um, I offered all the attendees a 14-page free download because, yes, compassionate education is a business, and like every other business, we have to stay afloat. So I can't I can't give everything away for free, although, as a nurse at heart, that's my inclination. Right. This is free. And, John, if you can put something up now, it's called seminarhandouts.com. And I invite every single listener to go to www.seminarhandouts with an com. Oh, thank you very much. And you will see there is a free download, 14 pages. Filled with information. And this information, I think, will be a great jumping off point for anyone Mm. who needs more information or is just starting their quest of information about different types of dementia. I talk about different behaviors associated with the various types of dementia. I define the different types of dementia. We talk about the medications. It is packed with information. So, When you do it, you'll see, because I, like I said, I just um, went ahead and taught this course. It will appear as though, oh, thank you. It will appear as though you just attended my seminar, which I guess we could call this a seminar. Um, Please go ahead and download it. Tell your friends. It is really good information. It's quality information. And that's the other thing that I want this book to do. Dr. Google He's you know, pretty easy to get in to see. Yeah. The problem is you don't know if the information Dr. Google is giving you at any given time is credible information. Sometimes he's a quack. Sometimes he's right on. I wouldn't want to take that chance with my family or loved ones. Exactly. So this information is, like I said, it's written at a level that is easy to understand. Um, I hope people enjoy it. Um, It came from my heart. It's dedicated to my mom, who is having some vascular dementia issues. And is such Um, a
0: wonderful person. Thank you. I always go back to, I mean, I have a lot of examples, but when we drove up to you during the hurricane to get out of Florida and we're eight hours late, I mean, it must have been close to one in the morning. We were supposed to get there. It's like 4 in the afternoon, but we hit so much traffic. And when I say we, almost the entire family came to stay with you at your house. You weren't there at that point. You guys were stuck on a cruise ship. <laughs> poor, poor you. So as I we, know.
1: say interesting words to put in the same sentence. Stuck in cruise ship. Yeah,
0: really. Poor, we poor you. But be that as it may, we pull up at 1230 at night. You had told me where the key was, and there's your mother in the wind and the rain standing there. Going, you know, I know you were just a few minutes away, and I went out and got food. It's sitting for you at the kitchen. I'm thinking, and I I said, why did you do that? You shouldn't go out. The hurricane's coming here, too. No, no, no. I didn't want you to have I mean, she's such a wonderful person. She is. Um, And to think she's afflicted with that is, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It just is. And you live with her because she lives with you because you're a
1: wonderful wonderful daughter. She's at the very early stages. Like Joe Biden. Although she is, although she is, I
0: had to say it. I'm sorry.
1: If you want to keep talking, I'll be quiet. No, no, it's okay. It's my
0: show. I can say what I want. I know.
1: (laughs) That's why I'm, like I said, (laughs) I won't be political. I'll let you do it. So she's at the stage where she has the awareness. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. She, she has good days. She has bad days. She has good hours, bad hours. She was generous enough to allow me to share her story through my podcast and in turn through the book. The only thing I had asked of her is please don't listen to my podcast because sometimes I do share the stories that you gave me permission to share, but I didn't want her to hear them. Right. When I wrote the book, she said, I'd like to read the book. And I said, okay,
0: Uh
1: but (laughs) it's from the podcast and she read it and um, it touched her. Sure. And it, it was it was wonderful. So it's dedicated to my mom and it's dedicated to Bob. Let me just you know, I know you already know this because you read it, but let me just tell you a couple of the the topics. And if you go to Amazon dot com. Yeah, here is the um, the plug. Sorry.
0: No, but you, you got go Amazon dot com. This is not a self a selfish plug. This, families need to read this. Thank you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great books out there that are enjoyable, and if you read them, you put the book down at the end of the book, and you go, oh, that, that was well worth my time. But you didn't need to read it. It doesn't help you with your older aunts and uncles and and your mom, your dad, your grandmothers, your grandfathers. This book is a, is, is a must-read. Uh, my
1: hope for this book is that people read it, and say wow you know what I, I need to share this and they hand it to someone else or they tell someone else where to go get it so just a couple of the yeah, topics don't, here
0: Don't to my eighty thousand people that are watching don't buy a book and hand it to someone else buy them the book or ask them to buy the book yes
1: they are more you, you know what I, honestly they're more apt to read it than if yes. they were told go go get it because then you're i think people are afraid like what, do you think I have an issue with it? But if you hand them the book, they'll generously accept a gift. That's
0: right. And they'll open it. It's the truth. Uh,
1: so, uh, nutrition and hydration. And again, everything with the focus on different types of dementia. I start the book with an introduction to dementia, really explaining what it is and what it isn't. Um, what's so funny? What's so funny? That chapter is about an observation that I had. I noticed it in my mom. I notice it in a lot of people who have some type of memory impairment when you ask them a question and they laugh inappropriately. And what I've come to believe is that that laughter is their way of buying time, buying time to think about what you asked because it's more comfortable perhaps than that awkward pause while they process it. That's right. So what's so funny, are they listening? Are they listening is a chapter that talks about memory impairment. And again, we're talking about the seniors, right? Because that's who experiences memory impairment in terms of dementia. So, so often when you get to 65, 70, 75, you know, on down the line, too much, in my opinion, too much of your social outings are to go see people like me.
0: Mm -hmm. medical
1: offices, healthcare. So what a lot of people do is they start to pull back and they don't go for those well checks as often as they did when they were younger or as often is as recommended. And as a result, what happens is things can fall through the cracks. So a lot of people, as we get older, your hearing starts to decrease, perhaps at different levels. Um, your cousin, my husband's hearing has decreased. And when he got it tested, interestingly enough, the only tone that he can't hear is the you. tone of my voice. <laughs> different topic. I was, topic, I was guessing
0: show. at that. You're not telling me. It's true. You're not serious. It's true.
1: Oh, I swear. The audiologist said the tone that he cannot hear is the same tone as a woman at my age
0: oh my god okay now you know you have to check the business account to see how much of a check bob wrote that doctor to say that i know that's i never knew that it went like that in tones
1: yes absolutely absolutely so the question is when people are not remembering things did they hear it the first time perhaps they're hearing impaired but diagnosed or not diagnosed are they looking at you when you tell them information or are you saying things in passing? Perhaps their back is to you. Mm-hmm. So, when you know the topic, are they listening? Is really, are they hearing? That's right. So, it's important to have those well checks and get your hearing checked because people telling you that you are not remembering things may, in fact, be that you never heard it the first time. And now, with everyone wearing a mask, People who have hearing impairment read lips. Instinctually, we read lips. But if the mouth is covered with a mask,
0: they can't. That's right.
1: Um, Vitamin B. Vitamin B is essential for brain health. So I talk about the different B vitamins. I talk about the different types of diets people follow and who's at risk of having low b twelve. Um, I saw a patient yesterday, as a matter of fact. Now, I don't see her for cognitive issues. I see her for neuropathy. And neuropathy is abnormal sensation, usually in your feet, sometimes hands and feet. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen her in a couple of years, and she said it is so much worse. So I looked back and I reviewed some labs. Her B12 was 160 a year and a half ago.
0: What is that? Is that low? So
1: it is very low. So primary care standards are different than neurology standards. Primary care is usually okay with someone's B12 getting down to 200, 250. Neurology, we like to see it no less than 400. Oh, wow. So hers was 160. We can give her injections and get those numbers up pretty quickly. But from a clinical position of of her appreciating the benefit of increased B12, well, you know, I know I can get her better than where she's at now. I don't know if I can get her to the point I probably cannot, where she has no residual deficits because she has been B twelve deficient for so oh, long. So I talk about the B twelves. I talk about surgery. So again
0: hold the book senior up if population. You would. If you would what? Hold, hold the book up if you oh, would, please, because uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I want everybody to see it because it's uh, it's special. That, there you go. And you know, it's see the funny. window. I see the window. And you know, it's funny. You said that you came up with looking through the window, um, you know, in the auspices of COVID-19. But right. on a deeper level, quite frankly, and I hope COVID-19 is a thing of the past in the foreseeable future. I don't think it's the near future, but I think right. in the foreseeable future. But it really is amazing that you came up with that name because, as I was reading the book, I thought somebody with dementia may think many times that they're looking through a window at life, at their own yep. life, at their own memories, or what other people are doing that they're not quite conceptualizing that they right. are. You know, so I think the, you may have come up with it under the auspices of COVID-19, but it's quite a deep, you know. Deep well,
1: and, and, you know, you're, you're reflecting on the window perspectives ch- chapter, right which is people like me, you know, at different times of the day, I'm looking through the window from a different vantage point. Am I looking through the window from the vantage point of the daughter and I'm looking out and I'm seeing my mom and I'm wondering, is that going to happen to me? Right. Am I looking through the window from the perspective of a provider and I'm looking at a general population who is experiencing this, this tragic, tragic diagnosis, or I think it's a pandemic, the one that's not really being talked about. Exactly. Or is it, what if I'm the caregiver and I go to work? And then in, in that work environment, that's my my reprieve. That's when I get to be normal. And so I live a relatively normal life. And then I come home and I change hats. And now I'm attending to my loved one who has dementia. So there are so many different angles. So yes, I agree with you hundred percent. There's so many topics here and I hope your, your viewers will recognize this is just the tip of the iceberg, Yes. but it's, it's accurate information. It's easy to digest. And the feedback that I'm getting, again, I've only had it out now for two weeks, but the feedback that I'm getting is it's making sense now. And what they're telling me is they're recognizing what I write about in their loved one. And it really, it's so important because we have to, as caregivers, as family members, as loved ones, we have to leave our place and we have to relocate, which again is another chapter. We have to go to where they are.
0: Exactly. um,
1: And understand the world looks very different for them. And that's so important. The other thing that I want to share is um, this is another workbook that Compassionate Education has just published. It's called the Caregiver Survival Guide. This document is pure gold. I know I'm biased. I've had enough providers, physicians that I work with, social workers that I work with look at this and give me feedback. And they agree. So imagine this. Life is going along as usual, and suddenly you find that your loved one has some type of dementia. You may or may not be the the caregiver of your loved one, but it certainly impacts you. Mm-hmm. So where do you start? How do you know what you don't know? What do you gather? What's going to be expected of you? How do you understand the terms that are going to be used every time you take your loved one to the doctor? to the nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of this is uh, multi-fold, multi-level. So the first part is we talk about the different documents that you need to gather. The earlier you start, the better off. And I'll tell you why. Because if your loved one still has their cognitive awareness where they can help gather documents. They can tell you their passwords. They can put you on their accounts. That's right. That is definitely going to serve everyone well in the future, because if it gets to the point where your loved one is incapacitated and no longer has the cognitive awareness and acuity where they can go ahead and give you their healthcare power of attorney, or tell you where their different accounts are located or what their wishes are, it's going to be a challenge. So you wanna do it sooner rather than later. And if you can organize and be prepared early on, it's not gonna change the diagnosis. It's not gonna change the fact that you are gonna have hurdles to jump over. You're gonna have behaviors to deal with that are going to just be gut-wrenching. But what it is gonna do is it's going to allow you to spend all of your time focused on your loved one instead of trying to gather the documents that are going to be asked when you go to different appointments
0: that is so important it will keep,
1: that is, yeah you, that it is that topic
0: in itself touches home um you know because you know in my in my other world of reverse mortgages um when they don't have a power of attorney and they and they're doing something from their heart the, you know the son yeah. or the daughter to help with the mom, and I have to say to them, um, "Do you have a specific?" You talked about a healthcare power of attorney. Uh, when it comes to real estate around the country, it needs to be a specific power of attorney. Yes. No, we don't. But I can get one. But you just told me mom is not cognitive. How can you get one now? And they go.
1: And they don't oh, realize that.
0: Do it early. And again, the passwords. Um, <laughs> it's so it, it's so incredible for them to go. You have access to my account. But if you don't have the passwords in today's world, you
1: have no access. Exactly. And so you don't want to spend your time fighting the legal system, searching for documents, going through. and, And no one wakes up and suddenly has advanced dementia.
0: Exactly. Nobody.
1: It's a process. And during that process, as people progress down the stages... their their files become a bit more disorganized Mm -hmm. because they're confused. It's not their fault. They tried to hold it together. They tried to shelter their family from it when they had the wherewithal of understanding what was going on with them. So this walks you through um, topics in the table of contents, identification cards. You're going to be asked every time you go to the doctor or the provider, family contacts, medical contacts, medical records, finances, passwords living will, persons who have the legal ability to make decisions, a letter of competency if you have one, end-of-life instructions. One of the most important things that I tell people is early diagnosis is crucial for a lot of reasons. One, because you can start intervention early. Besides that, the earlier the diagnosis, the more you have enabled the person who has cognitive impairment to participate in their own future decisions. Which
0: is so important to their cognitive capabilities.
1: It is. It's important for the person who has cognitive impairment of whatever degree. It's also a gift to the family yeah. because it takes the the burden of making a decision off the family's shoulders because it's much easier. None of this is easy, but it's easier to follow the, the wishes of your loved one than trying to figure out what would they want? Yes. And if there's more than one person trying to figure out what the loved one would want, well, you just know how that's gonna go. Yeah. So that's part of it. Then it also talks about caregiver tips. So it talks about how do you manage different behaviors more in depth than the seminar handouts download. Mm -hmm. It talks about medication, what medications are appropriate, which medications are not appropriate what are the risk factors with different medications because there are it helps explain why your provider may have opted to not prescribe or why they selected this medication versus the medication your neighbors on so it talks about that it also has in the back um, what in healthcare we call a mar medication administration record well at this point Seniors are usually on a lot of medications. How do you keep it straight? Again, unlike me or other people who are in healthcare who have family members who develop some type of dementia, most caregivers are not in the medical field That's prior right. to this. And overnight, they are now the eyes, the ears, first line experts. So this keeps you organized. And if you have a caregiver who comes in, it keeps everything very organized. It talks about things like a PULST. A lot of people don't know what a PULST is. They're very state-specific. I'm located in Georgia. So what a PULST is, it's like a living will. But this is what happens. If someone were to have cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest at home, our our automatic response is call 911 or what if you're not there and what if a caregiver's home and someone with cognitive impairment has cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest. They call 911, EMS comes out. Do you think that EMS is going to take the time to go and flip through a living will and say, "Oh, if I choke, it's okay to go ahead and do the Heimlich." Right. Or, "I don't want CPR, but I'm okay with IV. Don't right. intubate me." but do this. No, they're not going to. They don't have time. That's time right. is brain. Time is really gambling with someone's life. Mm-hmm. What a POST is, a POST is a legal document that is just a page. It's almost like an a la carte. And if someone's able to fill it out because they have awareness, great. If not, it's filled out by whoever has their health care power of attorney and a physician. And basically it's a document that you leave on your refrigerator and you hand it to EMS and EMS will honor that because there are times when keeping someone alive is not the right decision. It's a very personal decision, it's but
0: a, it's a hard thing to say, I'm sure for you as a, a, as a nurse and a personal caregiver to your mother. But, yeah, there's, there's no doubt too many people you know, leave this world too soon, but there's probably an equal amount of people that leave it too late and suffer needlessly. And, and sometimes it's, it, I can't say it's a selfish decision, but sometimes it is the decision of the loved ones because they can't bear to be without them. I mean, I hate yeah. to make the comparison, but That's I think true. we've all made the decision with our dogs. And um, that when you know, you look at that dog's eyes, you've loved the dog for 15 years, you know they're suffering, you know That's... it's time to put them down. And it breaks your heart But it breaks your heart ten times more when it's mom or dad, and of course, euthanasia is illegal, so you can't do that. It's you know, that's that's a show in itself, you know.
1: Yeah, but if you have a document, then it takes that emotional issue off the table at the moment.
0: Because that's what they want.
1: Because it's what they want is right. Um, So the book. I know we're we're coming down to the very end. I need to tell people. You can get the book, Looking Through the Window at Dementia, through Amazon. You can also get it through my website, which is compassionateeducation.com. Through my website is the only place right now where you can get the Caregiver Survival Guide. It's available in two forms. One is a downloadable PDF that you can edit. The other is in the form of a bundle. Um, If you opt for the bundle, you get the download, which you can edit. And then you also get a hard copy. So some people like to have it in hand. Right. That is available through the website. And you want to go to the caregiver guide tab, which is right on top there.
0: Perfect. With almost 30 seconds left. You brought up so many things. Oh, there's our little Dalek. Uh, You brought up so many uh, things. I mean, again, you don't know the stress of a caregiver until you become a caregiver that could be a show in itself Um, your cognitive testing that i love taking every week is i actually felt better when i passed your cognitive test like all right another week i'm still with it but that's the my mind challenge on the website i love it with 10 seconds to go thank you so much you know how much i love you thank you for being here we got to do this more often Three seconds to go. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you, Laura. Give my love to everybody. Thank you, you, everybody.